0: Thank you for joining us for this Prima podcast. My name is Taekwon Gilbert. I am the education coordinator at Prima and the moderator for today's podcast. October is National Cybersecurity Awareness Month. National Cybersecurity Awareness Month was designed to increase awareness regarding the significance of cybersecurity as well as provide the necessary resources to ensure people are safe and secure online. To commemorate the 17th anniversary of National Cybersecurity Awareness Month, Prima created a National Cybersecurity Awareness Month podcast series. Each week during the month of October, Prima will feature podcasts that share important information about cybersecurity. On this podcast, Tony Benson, Deputy Associate Director for the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, will speak on the future of the cybersecurity workforce and education focused resources. Please enjoy the podcast. Thank you for joining us today, Tony.
1: You're welcome. I'm happy to be here.
0: To begin, can you give us an overview of the current cybersecurity ecosystem and the workforce shortage?
1: Absolutely. You know, the current cybersecurity workforce ecosystem is definitely one that's evolving, right? Cybersecurity probably ranks up there as one of the fastest growing career fields that's out there. And so with growth also comes the pains of obviously needing people to support those efforts. And so... As I've read over the last couple of years, and and probably there's there's a ton of articles out there about this, but, you know, I think we're somewhere in the realm of 500,000 workforce shortage professionals within the cybersecurity community within the U.S., and then probably somewhere upwards of 3 million worldwide. So, pretty significant gap out there for cybersecurity professionals. I think also one of the areas that people tend to forget about is that there are paths to get into cybersecurity, but within those paths, what we're finding are a lot of people are coming out of college or, or different areas and they aren't workforce ready. And so as we have that shortage, not only do we have, you know, people coming into the career field at small numbers, we also may have people coming in the career field that just don't have that that operational experience. So I think kind of coupling a fast and ever changing ecosystem within cybersecurity, and then you add in the fact that there aren't maybe many people going into cybersecurity or not many people know about cybersecurity. It kind of compounds the challenges of cybersecurity, just not having the amount of professionals that they actually need. We know that cybersecurity in the future, and, and this has been talked about throughout and why there's such a focus on it, you know, this could be the next way that they weaponize, right? We weaponize when we look at how we do traditional warfare. You look at that. And then they say, hey, but cybersecurity, because we use it in every single facet of what we can do, it can be manipulated, and we see that all the time, and be used for malicious intent. So not only is it a a workforce shortage that is ever-growing, it's also something that is is raising security levels and, and, and things that we definitely want to address, because we see this as a challenge that can impact many, many, many different areas within our country.
0: How important is diversity in addressing the cybersecurity workforce gap?
1: I think diversity as a whole is important, right? And, and that's not unique to cybersecurity, and it's not unique to the, the workforce gap that we have within cybersecurity. I think when you look at the issue of diversity, and making sure that you have diverse perspectives, it's really important in a career field like cybersecurity. I like to use this analogy when I talk about diversity. You know, I use sports analogy. So, you know, there's, you have a football team, right? You don't want just a team full of quarterbacks. Who is the quarterback going to go through the ball to if it's just a team full of quarterbacks? So it's the same idea when you think about workforce diversity and having that diversity and even the inclusion piece, which sometimes gets forgotten about, incorporated in very early into the process. Within cybersecurity, we definitely have a diversity issue on many, many levels, whether it be gender, whether it be race, whether it be age, I think that those are things that we definitely have to look at. So within diversity and inclusion, and even the current state of affairs throughout the world, diversity and inclusion is something that has been a a topic that's kind of been on the tip of everyone's tongues lately. I think looking at the, you know, diversifying the hiring is very, very important, but it's also important that we look at the inclusion portion because what happens is, is that you can diversify your workforce but then a person enters that workforce and enters into your community and the inclusion piece is not there. So how do you retain those people? How do you make those people feel as though they're a part of that community? And I think in order to do those things, it goes back to the way that we hire, it goes back to the way that we think about hiring, it goes back to really being inclusive and making our workforce truly look like what our nation looks like. It's a melting pot of ideas, a melting pot of people, And in order for us to really not only scale the gap, we have to have representation from all types and all walks of life. Without representation, I think you lose that inclusion piece because you bring people in who who are very much different, but they don't have anyone that they can identify with. So how do we kind of encompass all of those things? Even, or just as important, I should say, is that you want all voices to be heard. So it's one thing to diversify your workforce, but then not be inclusionary of all the ideals that are within your organization or, or, sorry, ideals of the people that are within your organization. So it's great to have the number, but let's make sure that once we have those numbers and once we've found solutions to increase the diversity throughout organizations, we're also thinking about how we include those personnel into all of our practices and at all leadership levels throughout the industry as a whole, I should say. Additionally, as part of the workforce gap shortage that we see, we also understand that there's so many barriers to entry into to cybersecurity. I'm sure we'll get into that a little later as well, but we need to eliminate some of those barriers. And I think once we eliminate some of those barriers, it will allow us to not only address the diversity issue up first, just like in cybersecurity, we always say say think of security first when people are building products or cars and things like that, we need to think about diversity up front and have that baked into the process so that it's a part of our culture and it's a part of what we do versus something that we kind of tag in at the very end or something we think about as an afterthought. So I think there's a lot of opportunity there. I think in a career field that is so dynamic, you definitely need a dynamic personality, dynamic thought process, different backgrounds and experiences to really kind of propel cyber to the next level and this next generation of cyber that we're about to enter into.
0: What efforts have been made to close the cybersecurity workforce gap and what still needs to be done?
1: So I think that there have been tremendous amounts of efforts done to address the workforce shortage, done to address the ability for us to scale within cybersecurity, everything through academia. I think a lot of academia organizations colleges and universities have looked at how they deliver curriculum and and making some hands-on elements there. I think within the private sector, they've opened up, you know, additional training, not only that they do in a vendor capacity, but also trainings for their internal staff. I think throughout the nonprofit industry that they definitely have looked at options for affordable training and getting more people trained and incorporated into cybersecurity. And I think as a government, we've definitely done some things We've had the incorporation of like the NICE cybersecurity framework, which is a great standard to utilize within your organizations to measure your organizations against so that you're really looking at the knowledge, skills, and abilities that are required for a cybersecurity professional. And then I think also just throughout the government, we've looked at some government-wide solutions that allow us to look at it from a holistic standpoint. And I think that The one thing that we're probably lacking is a cohesive look. So I've kind of identified a couple of areas within academia, nonprofit, private sector, and government where we've made strides. But I think a holistic effort um, combining all of those things together is something that the cybersecurity community is missing. And it's something definitely that we want to overcome in the future. The only way that we're going to scale this or the only way we're going to be able to sure up or or I should say shorten the cybersecurity workforce gap is if we really take a hard look at how we can all leverage and play our parts, but how we can have a level of synergy with each other and ensuring that the professionals that come out of academia are ones that are job ready. You know, the professionals that come out of the private sector or that come out of the government, there's transferable skills there. And so that each time a cybersecurity professional moves or pivots within their career or does different things. I know in my career, I've I've done military, private sector, and now I'm in the civil service. There's transferable skills there. You're not starting from scratch each time. So how do we baseline what that looks like, and how do we kind of come together as a community? I think when we get to the point of understanding, and I think we're really there, we just need the solutions to be able to do this, is that there's no one solution for this problem. It's a very dynamic problem, and it takes dynamic thinking and solutions. And so once we start to really come together and look at a holistic plan, that's when I think we'll start to see this workforce that really start to shrink. And we really start to see the fruits of our labor when it comes to cybersecurity education and training of the future.
0: When looking at the challenges in the cybersecurity workforce and filling the pipeline of qualified professionals, how important are today's K-12 students?
1: K through 12 is very important to the next generation of everything, right? And, you know, within CISA, our motto is defend today, secure tomorrow. And surely that's what I think K through 12 is. K through 12 is truly that secure tomorrow. And so I think when we look at this from a perspective of how do we grow and cultivate the next generation, we have to look at cybersecurity as being part of those core elements because it ties into everything that we do, no matter what profession or, or career you choose in the future or profession that you're in, even in your daily use, right? Our smartphones, our our computers, our, our tablets, everything relies on some level of cybersecurity, whether you know it or not. I mean, down to our refrigerators at this point. And so I think that K-12 through is so essential, and we really need to look at how we're getting the level of awareness about cybersecurity to our youth. I think there's a ton of opportunity and unexplored space in that area. Within CISA, we do some work with an organization called Cyber.org, and Cyber.org really looks at how do we help teachers, one, teach cybersecurity concepts, but how do we also build curriculum for them so that it ties in, some of those core concepts like math, science, and history, how do we tie that into cybersecurity elements so that our K-12 through children, students, have an opportunity to really learn about cybersecurity earlier on. In my personal opinion, you know, if we wait until college to expose people to cybersecurity, we've waited too late. Most people have, even if they do change their majors one or two times in college, they've sort of already made up their mind about what they want to do. And so really getting that information to those students early is really essential. As I said, you know, defending tomorrow, really what we pour into our youth is really what we're going to get out of the future. And so giving them that exposure early is important. And I think also meeting them where they are. I think, you know, where, you know, in the workforce world, we may do a lot of PowerPoint-type training that may not be conducive to someone in the sixth grade, right? So how do we... Kind of incorporate esports, which is a big thing now. How do we incorporate gaming and competitions? How do we incorporate those things that attract the youth to cybersecurity and the concepts that are there? Just really understanding the core concepts of cybersecurity, the importance of cybersecurity, and really exposing them to those career fields. Like I said, we do a couple of efforts. I mean, even throughout CISA. There's a couple of different programs through schoolsafety.org. There's a couple of programs that we have, like I mentioned, cyber.org, that really target the K-12 through or the supporting elements of K-12 through and ensuring that they understand that there's, there's an avenue there for cybersecurity. So I think that it's crucial that we do so. I know that in many of our adversarial countries, uh, it's part of the core concepts having cybersecurity as part of their core curriculum. So next to math, they have some level of cyber or technology element. And I also know that, and to actually just tie the diversity back in, I know that we do have schools and we do have different districts throughout the country that have technology elements, but we don't have them everywhere. And so how do we level the playing field for some of those underexposed communities that may not have the resources to build a technology program? how do we get them the exposure and the information that they need to be successful so that we can very early on even the playing field of who can enter cybersecurity, who knows about cybersecurity, and really just truly who has the exposure to cybersecurity from a holistic standpoint.
0: For someone interested in cybersecurity, what qualifications do they need to enter the field? For example, is a four-year degree required? So that's a great question.
1: I think that Within the cybersecurity career field, there's many paths of entry, right? And I don't know that they're well advertised. And that's something that within CISA, we're really looking at what is the holistic approach to the many roads that lead you to a cybersecurity career path? And then what are the barriers that are there that we need to knock down so that we can open the aperture of who has access to cybersecurity and who has access to these career opportunities? When I think about that, from the perspective of CISA and some of the things we're doing, you know, we have partnerships with, you know, NSA, we have partnerships with the National Science Foundation and some of our Centers for Academic Excellence, which ties to four-year universities, uh, well, sorry, ties to universities and colleges, not necessarily four-year, and then also Scholarship for Service, which is um, another program with scholarship opportunities that are attached to certain colleges and universities. The community colleges have different certification programs. I know a bunch of the different colleges and universities have these different opportunities where you can get like a two-year certificate program possibly or something coming out with with that information and cybersecurity knowledge that you really need. But within CISO, we really looked at this as well as this is an opportunity in an area where because we have the operational experience and expertise, we really could can help the nation really build in this area. You know, looking at the foundations of the NIST cybersecurity framework, we've looked at what are some of the barriers, but also what are some of the things that need to be level set, right? What are some of the things that need to be level set overall? So, we're looking at something called academies that we're developing, and and academies really is a look at skilling and reskilling cybersecurity professionals. And so, what that means is is that, you know, maybe the initial skilling of someone coming out of high school or someone that's looking for a career change, how do we give them that skill set that really gives you that baseline cybersecurity background that you need to come in and be an entry-level analyst? How do we reskill someone who may have been in the workforce for many years but are looking for a career change or are very interested in cybersecurity? How do we give them that exposure and how do we build something that's scalable that, you know, a nonprofit can utilize or that another organization can utilize so that we can continue to grow the community. In addition, we're looking at, as we build these entry-level cybersecurity professionals, how do we develop a career path for them, right? How do we keep them interested in cybersecurity? As we know, cybersecurity has so many different facets. I mean, everything from cyber policy to penetration testing. So, how do we really look at that in a holistic perspective? And how do we upskill these people once they Kind of done the entry level or mid level for for many years, but they really want to do something that's a little bit a little bit harder in the technical realm, like penetration testing. So how do we do something? And we're calling them institutes, which is really a, a correlation to a trade school model. And so those institutes will allow students to go through and really get the training they need to upskill to a penetration testing type of job role or an incident responder or reverse malware engineers, just some of those concepts within cybersecurity that aren't necessarily, you know, something that you can just gain from the entry level. So we're really taking a a look at that and really looking to see how we can incorporate all of these different elements as we look at four-year degrees, as we look at qualifications, how do we really do that? We're also looking at, you know, everyone doesn't necessarily want to be an executive one day, a cyber executive. So how do you develop tracks that allow people just to be a subject matter expert in a technological field or a cyber field? And then how do you create tracks for people who want to go into management and supervisory roles and kind of cultivate the next generation of cybersecurity professionals? Circling back to your question, though, about qualification, I really, and this is just my own personal belief, I really think the qualifications really are just having an aptitude to learn and being able to be adaptable, I don't think that, you know, uh, and there's a ton of certifications out there, and that's not to discredit any of the certifications that are out there. I think they obviously do help you gain the knowledge and how you, in those certain disciplines within cybersecurity, but I think there's an opportunity for us to focus more hands-on learning. I think there's an opportunity for us to expand in areas where we create a culture that's where people are a good technical fit for the role, but they're also a good cultural fit. That goes back to my point about you know aptitude. I just think that when we look at hiring and when we look at really the qualifications that are needed, I don't know that you need a four-year degree because I think there's many roads to a cybersecurity profession, but I also think that that is one of the paths. And I, I think that the more we broaden the scope of who can come in, and the more we lean maybe a little bit more to assessment-based hiring and assessment-based promotion and things like that, I think we'll start to see that culture kind of evolve and limit some of those barriers where maybe someone can't afford to go to a four-year university. That shouldn't be a barrier for them entering into cybersecurity. So I think CISA recognizes that. I think a lot of the community recognizes that, and we're doing a bunch of different efforts to ensure that... We eliminate as many barriers as possible. So that's where we are within CISA and what we're looking at. But I think there, there's many roads to an excellent career in cybersecurity.
0: What steps is CISA taking to ensure that the cybersecurity workforce and the federal government doesn't fall behind?
1: That's a good question in the sense that not just the federal government falling behind, but I think as a cyber community, we're really already behind the power curve. But I think what we're doing now is taking a step and looking at how do we address that? How do we provide solutions to that? And CISA definitely is at the forefront of that. As I mentioned before, there are a couple different initiatives that we're looking at from a national perspective. How can we really help the cybersecurity community get in the right footing, truly have that propelling step to get to where we need to be when it comes to closing the workforce gap shortage, And really within the federal government, how do we look at expanding that career field, you know, and expanding what it looks like to be a cybersecurity professional and really closing in the gap within the federal government as well. So programs for reskilling and skilling, I know of a couple, you know, nonprofit organizations like Empower that, that are doing some great nonprofit work to make sure that we're shoring up that gap and we're, and we're really getting exposure to, to multiple areas. That's an organization that we're partnering with. So, like I said before, it's not going to be just a federal government solution. It's not going to just be a private industry solution. It really has to be something that's holistic, that accounts for all, right? It, it accounts for every facet because we're not going to solve this, you know, within our own perfected silos. We really have to come together to really address this workforce issue that's ever-evolving and, and we're truly expanding as we speak right now. I think just CISA, you know, where we're looking at this and where we see our greatest impact is that we have the ability to tie in operations also with training and education. And so since we have the educational, I mean, sorry, since we have the operational experience, we can tie those elements of, of education and training into those and really create those hands-on realistic scenarios that allow people to truly get the sense of what it feels like, what it means to be in those pressure situations, and and really what real world type of things you will see that you may not be able to get from just the knowledge academia portion of of learning. And so we're really looking at ways to not only do that for the federal government, but also develop scalable ways to offer that, you know, throughout the nation and, and provide what resources and what research and, and, and what curricula and things that we come up with and be able to share share those things and share those resources with the greater community. I know that, you know, from the human capital standpoint and human resource standpoint, are they really looking at new workforce initiatives for incentives, at least within the federal government, because we may not have the same pay scale as they do in private industry, but also, we have a different mission than private industry and I, I think our missions obviously tie in together, but where they may have salary, we may have mission. And so I think we just really look to break those barriers down. We have pretty robust internship opportunities within CISA that we promote heavily and we really want, we really want people to or attract people to, to give them opportunities to get experience during their collegiate careers. And really, hopefully, one day being able to open those, those experiences up to people that may not choose the route of college, but open up those internship opportunities. Lastly, I'd say we have a bunch of different resources, right? We have, you know, Stop and Connect. We have uh, Fed VTE, which, which now actually, don't let the name fool you with being Fed Virtual Training Environment. It also has public offerings. So anybody can sign up to get an account and have the opportunity to take some of those courses. We have cyber essentials. We have a really robust industrial control systems training offering that we open up to all critical infrastructure and SLTT or a state, local, tribal, territorial. So everyone has an opportunity to utilize those resources. And then lastly, we, you know, every month in October, we do a national cybersecurity awareness month. And so we try to tie all these different elements in, but we have a ton of resources. One thing that CISA does very well is that we work very well with you know, our federal partners, but also with private industry, because we understand that we're all in this together. And so I think as this looks at it from a holistic perspective, we all have to look at it from that viewpoint. And I think it will give us an opportunity to really close the cybersecurity workforce gap, but also an opportunity for us to be innovative and really think about how we build a better, more dynamic, more diverse workforce of the future as we're closing that gap.
0: Thank you for tuning in to Prima's National Cybersecurity Awareness Month podcast series. Should you have any questions regarding this podcast or any podcast in this series, please email education at primacentral.org. To learn more about Prima's educational resources, please visit primacentral.org. Thanks again.